Hello, folks, and welcome to A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris. I would normally be here with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan, but uh, he is slammed with work this week, so we're innovating Moving forward, figuring it out. But Zach will be back to do a full game preview this coming week. No need to worry. We will do that uh, come, I guess, Sunday. Hopefully, Sunday, Monday. But wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I are talking everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. And if that sounds like something you want to listen to on the reg, go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. Make sure that you subscribe and rate and review. And with that subscription, you won't miss a thing. And you get a bunch of extra content, too, that A to Z puts out. At Charlie underscore Burris on Twitter. At A to Z Sports. Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville. And A to Z Sports Nashville.com for everything that Zach writes. Let's get into it. So for this episode, I'm going to... Give a give an intro here. Did radio for years. I love talking and listening to the sound of my own voice, so this shouldn't be too much of a problem, I don't think. But then in the second half of the show, I'm going to talk to uh, a good friend of mine, a, a longtime friend of mine, who's just kind of uh, a fan uh, of Tennessee. And he he's really... I would say avid fan for sure, a big time consumer of Tennessee media and things like that. But for the most part, uh, he he's just an everyday fan. And I just want to get his perspective uh, on on the seasons. My friend Jake, he's going to join us and just give like the fans perspective. I want to see what what is the the chatter out there, because I, I feel like, you know, sometimes I sit up here and. And I think everything through in the way that I do that's influenced by the fact that I was a media member for a long time. And I think about it very cynically because, well, it's Tennessee. Let's be totally honest. And so maybe you can get a different perspective than that. Uh, So we'll do that in the second half of the show and see what Jake has to say. But first things first, let's just talk about the things that have happened with Tennessee football over the last week or since the last time that Zach and I spoke. First and foremost, Brian Maurer transferred away. He took to Twitter and, and gave a statement and uh, essentially said that he'll be moving on. This was some uh, of what he said. Ball Nation, thank you for allowing a kid from Ocala, Florida to call this amazing place home. For the last two and a half years, playing in front of 102.455 has been a blessing, the biggest blessing I could have ever asked for. Tennessee truly has the best fans in the country, and then he thanks the staff, thank you to all of these other people, and he says, after a lot of thought and prayer, I've decided to enter my name into the transfer portal and pursue other opportunities, and I think we already fleshed this out at length. I think his time as the potential starter for Tennessee had probably passed unless he took a real turn. And I, I don't think that that was going to happen. He he had uh, he had some trouble between the ears, which is always tough. And he just, uh, whatever it was, it just wasn't clicking. And so he he's moving on, which tends to happen. It, this isn't obviously totally out of the norm for quarterbacks at big-time programs. 
Tennessee still has three guys, Joe Milton, Hendon Hooker, uh, Harrison Bailey, who are still competing for that job. But with that news, it, it really leads us into a pretty pointed discussion now. Who's going to be Tennessee's quarterback? We've already said it's looking like it's going to be Joe Milton. Uh, Heupel asked about Joe Milton in the last week, said he's progressing well and kind of gave the coaching response that Josh Heupel should. Um, and, but on the whole, he's not letting anything go. It really might be a situation where next Thursday we just find out who the guy is. And fair enough. Josh Heupel is probably thinking that that's, that's a competitive advantage. And it probably is because if it's Joe Milton, there is actual tape on, on Joe Milton. Of course it's tape playing in John Harbaugh's awful offense. And so, you know, it's only worth so much, but, uh, I, I don't, I don't mind. Heupel doing this, obviously, and I'm sure most fans would agree, Tennessee needs every single competitive advantage that they can get. And so, you know, go ahead. The The only thing from this week in camp that I found to, to be in, interesting was, uh, I guess the this was earlier this morning um, from a, a press conference, Adam Sparks at the New Sentinel. He said, who is uh, the defensive offense play caller? I just asked Josh Heupel. He didn't answer. Then I asked OC Alex Golish. He said, that's a Coach Heupel question, and then didn't answer. We're working through that. Ugh, don't like the sound of that. I cannot lie. Um, I mean, it's it's good if we're close to finding a quarterback. It's good if everybody's progressing well. It's good if camp is going well. But coaching was a massive problem with the last <laughs> everybody since early Philip Palmer. And if you're already having this sort of back and forth, we're, we're working through that with the offensive coordinator. Heupel, obviously a longtime offensive coordinator and just offensive guy in general, a quarterback during his days in college. Maybe he wants to call the plays. Maybe Golish wants more freedom. Who knows what could be going on there? You can read into that as much as you want to or not read into it. Uh, as much as you want to, I, I could see Heupel having some trouble giving up the the play calling and and Golish really pushing for wanting to do that. Again, that is just me. That's speculation uh, on my part that maybe would, what's going on, it may not be, but it is pretty clear that they do not have a defined, yep, this is definitely what it's going to be. It's going to be Josh Heupel. Is it? I don't know. Uh, I guess we'll see. And in fact, well, Realistically, you may not ever really find that out, but uh, it, it is clearly something that has come up. And I think things like this are a little more inter interesting than even seeing videos of fall practice right now, because fall practice is always just it's that same stuff. You get to see five minutes of practice and you get to see the quarterbacks throw the ball around a little bit. You get to see the wide receivers work with the jug machine. You get to see a kickoff drill. You get to, it's just very menial and at the end of the day, kind of meaningless. But stuff like this is actually impactful. Who is going to call plays for the offense? Hello, somebody. Oh, uh, you might need to know that the week before the game. <laughs> but hopefully, ideally, this isn't something that's going to cause many problems. Hopefully, they can figure it out. They can find a system, uh, a workflow where everybody gets what they want out of the situation. I guess we'll see in the first game. I mean, Heupel's whole thing is offense. And if the offense in this first game, thankfully, it's, it's a snoozer against Bowling Green, but 
let's remember back to Pruitt. All snoozers aren't always snoozers, and don't go out and lose to Bowling Green like Pruitt lost to Georgia State, please, uh, because you can't figure out who's the offensive play caller. All, all of that is, I, I also want to say, I don't bring this up to add any panic to any situation. I just think that it's probably the most interesting thing that's happened in fall camp in, in the last week was the, the transfer of Maurer and the quarterback situation. And now this just wanted to bring up all of those because outside of that, it's just so hard to really draw anything from fall camp. It's all about what, what happens next Thursday when, when they take to, uh, to the field and kneeling. So beyond that, not a whole lot else has happened. They closed practice for this week. So it really is just reporters asking questions. And that's all we're really getting for this week. Uh, I, that's another thing that you could read into. Why are they keeping things close to the vest the week before the game? I, I think you could easily speculate and just say, you know, that they want to just keep everything as close to the vest as possible. There was uh, another, another quote this this says, um, I believe this is from Golish. Yeah, Alex Golish. He said they're treating this week like a game week, but he's glad that they have they still have an extra four days. He said, "quote I think we're about as ready as we're going to get." Um, and take that however you would like to. I feel like I'm saying that a lot when it comes to this stuff, but. I would hope so. I would hope that you're ready with the game just right around the corner. But it it all comes down to next Thursday. I, I end all of that to say it all comes down to next Thursday. Zach and I, when Zach gets back in on the action, we'll talk about that, give a full preview of the game, probably give our full prediction of what we think will happen in the entirety of the SEC, how the season will play out, our season prediction along with our game prediction. We'll do that uh, this, this coming week and next week's show and and go from there but I wanted to touch on all of that and say we've been I've tried to be pretty positive I I would say I've made an effort to be more positive than I typically am because I am so cynical with these things and and so we we've been pretty rosy on the situation I've liked the general feeling that I've gotten off of Josh Heupel but I also bring this stuff up today to say you know it's not all it's not all great. There could be some contention behind the scenes between the head coach and his OC Golish. And ideally they will get it worked out. You got, Oh, seven and a half days uh, at this point. And you bet. Oh, I'll say it this way. You better get it figured out. <laughs> and so that I'll leave, I'll leave that there. Let's also cover a couple of other things this was just a silly thing that came across earlier today, this being Wednesday, the 25th. Walter Nolan, the big-time five-star, bona fide five-star recruit that is currently living in Knoxville, going to Powell High School, playing football for Powell High School. He took to Twitter uh, on Wednesday, and uh, he <laughs> said this. I will be committing. When I reach 11,000 followers on Instagram, and he said my IG is no clout Walt. And then he also tweeted uh, the day before on the 24th. He said, here, let's go. And it was his final three. His final three now has switched to Tennessee, Texas A&M, and Georgia. Before Florida was in the mix, they're out. 
he that he's been visiting Georgia, visited Texas A&M. Obviously, he lives in Knoxville, and so Tennessee's got a bit of a leg up there. But the thing that I wanted to talk about was this. I will be committing <laughs> when I reach 11,000 followers. He then followed that up very quickly and said, my recruitment is still wide open for those who do not know. Uh, I don't love this. I This is certainly something that in terms of recruiting, I just, it, it's why it's stuff like this, why I could never be a recruiting reporter. I, I just, I couldn't do it because you're dealing with 17 year old kids. Like at the end of the day, yes, they might play football like grown men. You're dealing with 17 year old kids <laughs> and they do stuff like this where they beg for more Instagram followers and surprise, surprise. It's been a few hours since Walter Nolan did this. He has not committed anywhere. Maybe it comes later today. I don't know. (laughs) I guess this might become, if he somehow actually does that, this will become irrelevant very quickly, but I get the feeling that he probably won't do that. Uh, So this is just something that it it gets on my nerves as far as recruiting goes, but I also always have to step back and say, I could never be a recruiting reporter because these kids are 17. And then I look at the situation and I go, well, these kids are 17. This kid, I, I don't know if he's 18, what exact age he is. It doesn't totally matter. But the point is that he's just young. And when you're young and you've been this lauded recruit for all this time, a bona fide five-star, you have guys hitting you up all the time, uh, coaches telling you how great you are, and you have recruiting reporters wanting to talk to you at all times of the day and night, and you're getting letters in the mail, and you're getting packages and merch and all this stuff that you're probably getting as a recruit. People are fawning over you when you go to these recruiting visits. and blah, 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 blah. It would be very easy to form a bit of a complex where you go, I'm awesome. I know, And I say this as if I was in the position of some of these kids, I would do exactly this. I would form a complex where I thought I am totally awesome. I want as much praise as possible. Give me all the Instagram followers. Give me all the Twitter followers. Use it, you know, to, to be able to like hit on girls and stuff. Like I would totally take full advantage of the situation because it's just there presented to you from essentially your natural talent. This kid is just an absolute monster who plays football very well. But I know a lot of fans don't love seeing kids do this because it can kind of be a red flag. Let's be totally honest. You got a kid who's all about me, 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 give me followers, like my Instagram photos. Hey, give me all of the all of the offers to all the different schools, heap all of this praise on me, 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 me. And, you know, we've seen this from a bunch of different kids over the years. It's become even more prevalent as social media just continues to get even bigger. And you just see it all the time. And it's hard not to look at this and kind of go, this is, I don't know if I like this, that we still want this kid. And to that, I would say, I do the same thing. I look at this and I go, hmm. Don't love that. Don't don't really like that this kid is doing all of this stuff. But he is young. And is Tennessee in any position to turn away a five-star player? No. 
Because what you would be able to get, if if per se you can get a hard recruitment from this kid and he stops these antics after you get through the commitment, which let's also say there's zero. Ch- I, like I get the... I get the feeling that he'll be flipping, flipping and flopping to every single school until the final day that he actually has to make a decision on where to go to college. It just, that's just a lot of the times how it goes with kids that do this type of stuff. But it just at the end of the day, is Tennessee in, in a position to turn away a five-star kid who's living in Knoxville when they have a great recruiter like Rodney Garner on the trail going after the kid? <laughs> no, no. And if you think so, that's silly. That's totally silly. I mean, this is a kid that if you can get him in and get him actually committed and not have him flipping and flopping all over the place, I mean, he's he's a cornerstone to a class. One of the top recruits in all of America. And to think that you might turn a kid like that away is just laughable. Don't don't even put that past me because you're being delusional. Tennessee needs every warm body that they can get to come to town uh, and give this kid the sponsors that he wants, give this kid whatever he he's looking for, the attention. I don't care if you got to buy him a million Twitter followers. You, you got to do what you got to do if you're Tennessee right now. And I hate that. That's I wish that you could look at these things that are seemingly red flags and go, nah, we'd rather not. But you can't. And he is seemingly a very, very good football player. And Tennessee needs very good football players right now to come play for their team, especially on defense. So... That's just the position that Tennessee is in at the moment. Oh, and I guess let's let's also not forget. I'll I'll throw this in on the end of this conversation, but I I would say with a recruit doing something like this, you might want to just get used to it. Cuz with the NIL rules as they stand in players being able to get endorsement deals and things like this, this is just the way of the future. I think it, I just, I don't see it stopping or becoming less prevalent. It's, it's, it's a money-making venture to, to go to college uh, for these guys now. And so that's uh, kind of the way the life is going to be now that, now that the NCAA is finally, well, I guess the NCAA is not coming around to it, but college football circumventing the NCAA is, is finally uh, letting these players find their worth. Uh, this is going to be the the way of life. It may not manifest itself in in kind of clout chasing on Instagram, but it might be just players looking for the place to go where they make the most money. And I know not everybody loves that, but that's that's how this it it's going to work. How it has to work from this point, because these players should be able to make money off of their name, image, and likeness. That is how the rules have changed now, where they can. And so going and playing uh, sports in college is going to be a money-making venture and a, if you want to put it that way, frame it this way, a self-serving venture where they want to enrich themselves as much as possible as one would. I mean, I, I want to say this again. If I was in this kid's shoes, this is what I would be doing. Maybe not in the exact same way, but... This in, unless I just had some un, unbelievable familial tie, my dad is the coach at some school. I mean, I just want to go to the situation that is the best for me, and I, I, I just I can't blame anybody for that. I can't blame somebody in this position around college sports for for doing what is best for them. And if that, and if 
begging for for uh, Instagram followers is where that takes you. So be it. Uh, but I I would say you might want to get used to this type of stuff because it's probably only going to continue to to keep happening more and more. And we'll finish this uh, this introduction with the uh, the news dropped today around Tennessee's updated fan experience at Neyland Stadium. They uh, they announced this today on the twenty fifth. They said in a, uh, a press release, with the start of the centennial celebration of Neyland Stadium, turns 100 years old from 1921 to 2021, Shields Watkins Field set for prime time on September 2nd. Tennessee Athletics has unveiled several new exciting fan experiences, fan experience enhancements for the 2021 football season. And it just goes through the list. It is LED lights. It is fireworks. They say the traditional fireworks show is moving and now bigger than ever. Uh, volunteer Village pregame concert series. So they're adding a concert series. That's fun. Just pregame stuff. Stirl the Pearl, the DJ, uh, the Neyland 100 celebration, as we already mentioned. It is the ninth oldest stadium in FBS football. Uh, fun little trivia for you there. And then this is the one that uh, I'll, I'll look at it two ways. Initially, it made me roll my eyes <laughs> and kind of cringe a little bit. It says the this new uh, enhancement is, I will give my all. And it says, as fans make their way to their seats, they can participate in a similar tradition to that of the volunteers taking the field. I will give my all signs have been installed above the portals entering each section of Neyland Stadium, just as the team is reminded to give my all before running through the tee in pregame. Each fan now entering the stadium is encouraged to do the same. So you can slap a, I will give my all for Tennessee sign as you come into the ball of the stadium <laughs> and all, all of these together, but that one in particular. Yeah. Initially I look at that and I go, Oh, okay. Maybe let's just concentrate on winning football games. That's probably what would be the best thing right now. Let's win some football games and then we'll talk, you know, if, if you're doing things to try to get fans excited, you know what would really get the fans excited? Winning some damn football games. That's my initial reaction. And probably the initial reaction of a lot of people. But also, this is fun. I'm not going to be too cynical about it. I, I like this. <laughs> I, I mean, I cannot lie. I've been to many, many, many football games of my life at Neyland Stadium. And if this had been there for all of them, I would have done it at every single one. I can be as cynical as I want to on this podcast and on the radio. But, uh, you know, at the end of it all, I'm still, I, I just want to have a fun fan experience and enjoy Tennessee football. And this is just, it's just a little thing. And I'm glad that they're making the effort, the little bit of outreach. And they're not just, this isn't all just in an effort for them to put out their greedy hands and ask for more money as they continue to be a team in the most profitable conference in college football and make hundreds of millions of dollars and then still go, please give me money, please give me money, please give me money. At least it's not that. Um, I can say that. Thank you for not having yet another campaign to try to take fans' money while providing them with an absolutely, not even mediocre product, a bad product. It's a bad product. I mean, season ticket sales are the lowest that they've been in the modern era this season, 55,000, which <laughs> admittedly is impressive for a school. You know, there are tons and tons of stadiums in America that don't even hold 55,000 people in Tennessee in its worst year sells that many season tickets. 
But you think about those compounding financials and how much it adds up when 2,000, so last year they sold 57,000 season tickets this year. It's down 2,000. Think about how much money is hemorrhaged by losing 2,000 season ticket holders. That's a lot year over year. And it's not, it's certainly not negligible to Tennessee's administration. I can tell you that because Lord knows they like money. Oh, they love their money. But I, as far as this goes with Danny White, I, I like the effort. I like that he's, he's putting in the effort. The LED light should be fun. Uh, it's gonna. It says a vibrant, state-of-the-art LED lighting system is in the final stages of completion at Neyland Stadium. I hope it'll be done by game day. Uh, a dramatic LED light show will accentuate pregame and in-game festivities. I like this a lot. There are places that I've gone, like the uh, the Nashville Predators, have a really cool lighting system, and they can do a whole bunch of different interesting stuff with it. And it's impressive to see in person when you go to a game. So I think that's going to be fun. That's going to be cool. I, I like that they're investing in some things like this for the fan fan experience, giving back at least a little bit. If they can't give back a good product on the football field, at least they can give back a, a little bit in the fan experience on, on game day. I'll say that. So I, I say all of that to kind of wrap it up and be like, you can have two feelings at once. You can look at this and be like, just win some football games, please. While also going... You know what? It'll be fun to go to a football game this year. <laughs> so I don't want to. I don't want to end on a totally cynical and, a, and annoyed note because I know that's what people tend to expect out of me. Let's just go and have some fun playing football this season. And, and next week, uh, Zach and I will be giving our predictions for what will happen. Again, already said it earlier. Prediction for the game. Prediction for the season. As a whole, but before we get to that episode here in a few days, I talked to an old, old friend of mine, Jake. We we both went to the University of Tennessee, and uh, so he's an alum and a lifelong fan and just a, uh, like a hardcore, insane Tennessee fan, um, and so... I'm happy to get him on here because I think he he actually calls in uh, to radio shows a decent amount. So I'm I'm happy to get an exclusive call with uh, a, a regular caller from from local radio shows uh, with Jake, my friend. I, I won't give too many personal details because he is he's not a public figure, but uh, this uh, should be a really fun conversation. I'm excited to talk to him. We're just going to get a, a regular fans. Um, take on, on what is happening right now, just preseason, see what he thinks about what Hypel is, is going to do. And you can have his positivity instead of my endlessly cynical nonsense. So that's, that's what this is going to be. Let's go ahead uh, and get to it. I had the music turned up way too loud already, but I needed it anyway. Let's get to me talking to my friend Jake about the uh, the view from the seats the, the seats in Neyland Stadium. I don't I don't know. The fan perspective. Here we go. Let's get to it. And now let's welcome to the Big Orange Podcast a old friend of mine and a friend who I have gone to many, many Tennessee sporting events with over the years. 
Jake, I'll, I'll leave your, your last name off. You are a, a private citizen. You, I'll keep you, uh, keep you protected, my friend. But what's up, dude? What's going on, man? Dude, thanks for having me on the podcast. I, I listen every week and, and love what y'all, what y'all have been doing with it. Y'all do a great job. Well, I really appreciate that. But I, I know that the reason that I knew I could give you a call is because you are also uh, a frequent caller on shows like Tony Basilio and, and an avid, avid listener to stuff like that. I mean, we're being totally honest. You probably know more about Tennessee sports at the moment uh, than I do, but uh, I, I'm glad to to get to have the perspective of not even like you're not just a rank and file fan. Like you are like, is avid the right word? A hardcore Tennessee fan. I uh, I live it and breathe it, man. Ever since ever since I was seven years old and went to my first Tennessee game, it's it's I've been hooked ever since. Um, I, I'm I'm from memphis as you're aware um and my my very first game was tennessee versus memphis uh at neyland and so i it was a packed house and we won on a almost a last second throw from t to um i I forget who caught the pass i always forget who who caught that pass but it was uh it was a great moment ever since and i've been hooked man i I live and breathe it 24 7 365 yeah you you really do but with with the introductions out of the way because we are just old friends and we could BS all day long. Uh, but Jake, with everything that's happened, like outside looking in as somebody who who consumes a, a lot of Tennessee media, with the hire of Hypolit, what was your your thought and your thoughts up till now? What you've seen through fall camp? Yeah, so it's it's funny how in in the past Tennessee fans we've we've kind of gotten this this reputation, um, you know, rightly or wrongly, but it, it's probably been accurate. You know, we, we have every year, it seems like as we get, as we get closer and closer to the start of the season, you know, it's, it's, you know, this is the year, this is the year we're coming back. This is the year we're going to, we're going to win the East. You know, this is a year we got what, for whatever reason, maybe it's a new coach, new quarterback. Like we always have some kind of, of hope that gets us excited. And, this year has been different, and I, I, I want to know if you've seen this as well. Like, I feel like, for whatever reason, um, it's taken a lot longer for the fan base as a whole to to get on the on the hype train and uh, pun intended, and to, to get to get you know excited and and I really wonder if if it's because you know so two years ago. That Georgia State game, I think really, I know for me personally, and, and I think I can speak for for a lot of other fans and, and probably even you too, you know, that Georgia State game really deflated us as a fan base. It deflated me, you know, it's, especially with it being the first game of the season. You come into it, you know, we're always excited for, for football season. But, you know, that year we were excited. It was year two for Pruitt. We wanted to see how things were going to change. I think I think that was year one for Cheney. We had a new offensive coordinator. We were we were excited for a brand new football season, and then you poop the bed, and you have probably one of the most embarrassing losses as a Tennessee fan that I can ever remember. Um, and I think that that experience really, you know, for the for the next for for last season and then going into this season it's really hampered fans to get excited because we all, because now we have that, well, what if, you know, what if we are just like 
we were that that year and we have the potential to lose to a Bowling Green or a Tennessee Tech, which I don't think is the case. But since it's happened, I think that's really caused, you know, the the uh, the lack of excitement for this year. What, what, do you, what do you think? I have never seen the level of total apathy. Absolutely. During this offseason, it it was pretty pretty crazy just how dejecting the entire Pruitt experience was. I could not agree more. I mean, that that Georgia State game, even though he kind of recovered the rest of the season, well, followed it up with a terrific BYU loss also, but nonetheless, um, yeah, I mean, it, it just, we should have known back then, and then he pulls out eight wins, and you go, well, maybe, I don't know, even though his offense looks like it's from like the 1820s and yeah, he can't really put two sentences together and yeah, his staff actually hates him. And yeah, like you should, like, oh, we should have just known. And that was so frustrating. And it was all of that on top of the last 15 years. And it just right. compounded on itself and compounded on itself. And then you got Fulmer going out and he wants a pat on the back for ruining the program as he goes out the door and just everything about it was so stereotypical was probably the most hurtful part because it just played into the entire thing about Tennessee being this clown show and then hurtful because it was kind of the, the hurt was coming from inside the house. I mean, it was former like, and just everything about that sucked so much. And, and it just, I think it was just a cherry on top of the last, yeah, 15 years where just yeah. a, a nightmare on top of a nightmare and people just went, no more. I just, I can't. I just can't I, do it. I really don't want to like, you know, harp on that time too much just because, you know, I, I do think the worms turned here. I think we're in a much better spot and, and, and I, I do want to talk more about Hypel, but just, I just wanted to talk about how we all just remember that feeling of after that Georgia State game, I couldn't sleep that night. Like that's how much yeah. invested in this program. And I was so sad that the rest of the season felt lost. And it was just like we had we had that hope and energy for a brand new football season and it was so short lived. And I think that's what people are afraid of now. And that's why they're kind of uh slow to, to get on the the train because you don't want to be that invested and then get it ripped out of your heart like like we did with the past four or five coaches um but i again i'm to go back to your initial question i don't know if this was the majority of fans uh that did this but i i was on the hype train i was um excited about hypo pretty early on and not because i'm you know orange colored glasses i mean i might be a bit but um i i i kind of like to take a step back and 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 be realistic with things but when i started watching his film at ucf uh it didn't take long for me to get you know excited about where things could go with him as our head coach and and i recommend if fans haven't had a chance if you're still kind of on the fence with hypel go back and watch the last two seasons of him coaching ucf this offense with sec caliber players can be really really fun to watch well, and I said, like, the the closest thing that we've seen in the SEC to this is the now illegal, basically, Auburn offenses that Malzahn had early on. Uh, and those, those were really, really good and fun team. Well, 
you know, as, as good as Cam Newton could take them. But, uh, you know, it kind of, honestly, at the end of the day, you think back, like, that revolutionized football, and it this is really, Heupel's whole deal on offense is sort of building even on that. Um, and so that, it's what everybody has been saying this whole offseason is like, even if we suck, at least it'll be fun. <laughs> and that's something, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, yeah, and I, I don't want to put the cart before the horse here or be too hyperbolic, but I, I kind of, I could envision this being for our program the way that Spurrier was for Florida in regards, and I'm not saying Hypo is going to be anywhere as successful as Spurrier. I hope he is. I don't know if he will be, but I say that in regards to when Florida hired Spurrier with that fun and gun, throw it around the field offense, they never went back. Like once you have a, once you have an offense like that, that is so much fun to watch it's going to be very, very difficult. Again, assuming Hypo brings this offense that we all expect he will to Tennessee, it, I, I just don't envision us going back from it. Once you get a taste of how fun an offense like this can be, I, I think this is like the new, the new turning point for us. Finally, you know, finally we won't watch a Tennessee play football on a Saturday and want to throw up like it, it will be fun whether whether we're up by 30 or down by 30 it's going to be fun I, I really hope so and and that a baseline I really do mean that when I say that as much of a trope as it's become with hypo like at least it will be fun because it was just pulling teeth with Pruitt to watch that god that was that sucked so much but yeah let's not Let's not dwell. There, there was a, a note today, though, and I talked about this in the intro that I did. Alex Golish this morning, he he got asked, uh, who who's calling plays uh, on offense? And he said, that's a Coach Heupel question. We're working through that. Uh, I don't love that. But I, I could see Heupel really wanting to hang on to like sole play calling duties while Golish is like, hey, I gotta, you know, I have a career to worry about here too. I'd like to call some plays. So hopefully yeah, that's, it, we're just making a, a thing out of that and that's all it is. But it has been interesting how I feel like the further and further we get in the fall camp, you know, Coach Heupel initially was a lot more open than we were used to, uh, than, than we're all used to seeing as Tennessee fans with our head coach. He was very open and honest with media and uh, different reporters and, and I feel like as we get further into it, he's kind of reverting back to a normal football coach with coach speak and hiding who the quarterback is and he's going to be hiding plays and whatnot. And, I, you know, that, not not that that's a good thing or a bad thing. I just I find it interesting that he's uh, being so secretive now. It's almost not surprising, though, because I almost feel like, you know, Heupel, technically, he has SEC experience. I mean, Missouri... And I'm sure Oklahoma, Oklahoma is much closer to an SEC experience than even Missouri now in the SEC. <laughs> no offense yeah. to Missouri, but also offense to Missouri. Um, but like the SEC is an absolute snake pit when it comes to like being a head coach. It sucks your soul. And it's just that's the way that it has to be. You can't be you. You can be like Hugh Freeze and put on this kind like I'm. I'm your dad and we're going to read the Bible together and be, you know, and then he's calling prostitutes. It's like, that's how it, that's how it goes. It just seems like just whatever it is, it just has that toll on you. It's kind of like, like a president 
gets into the White House and he looks, oh, he's only 50 years old. And then they come out four years later looking like they're 70 years old. It just like takes that toll on you when you're in the SEC. And I could certainly see Heupel. He came in very positive and, and still still is to whatever extent. But yeah, this week they shut down practice. There's no open practices. And then, yeah, these these press conferences, he's keeping everything close to the vest. I'm I'm sure we're going to see kind of him turn into the SEC version of, of Josh Heupel now. Yeah, you know, it, that is interesting. You know, it, we talk about this new offense that he's bringing in. And I know y'all, you and Zach talked about it a couple of weeks ago, but I, there is something to be said for this new culture that he's bringing in. And I think it's very, it is a tangible thing that we can feel as fans that things, things are, are different with him in, in regards to other coaches. And and I think the main way that we can see it is by who he's allowing to speak to the media. I mean, or or Mm -hmm. rather who is he not allowing to speak to the media because it is everybody. It is almost any player that wants to talk, he's letting them any coach, that wants to talk, he's letting them. And that's something that's kind of been unprecedented um, here with, with coaches that we've had in the past. Yeah, I, I will absolutely agree with that because that it just annoys me so much that just keep everybody locked up. We don't want anybody. Dude, Butch was the worst because Butch would just totally screw the pooch. And then, you know, we, we would ask an assistant coach one thing and they – like they were never so clearly never on the same page and anything like that. Hopefully that doesn't happen to Hypel, well, but Butch yeah. played so many games with that. Well, and it's perfect. Like you said, for, <laughs> I mean, for, for fans like myself and, and you and Zach, who, again, we live and breathe this stuff. It's perfect to keep fans engaged because it seems like every day, a new coach, there's like a, 10, 15 minute interview from a new assistant coach that, oh, I get to not only hear how the players are doing, but I get to learn more about these coaches. And, oh, here's another interview from uh, Jawan Mitchell or Javante Payton, these guys that, you know, we as fans want to get to know. And in the past, we haven't been able to, but Heifel's, you know, doing a great job getting I, us a lot to know these players. Yeah. And, and I am really glad that it seems like Heifel notices that the media can really be an asset because at the end of the day, a lot of the guys that are in media in Knoxville, there's a couple of guys who are staunch, I'm I'm media and I don't root for anyone. I'm just here to cover the game or whatever. But a lot of those guys like went to Tennessee, worked at Tennessee before, and then got out another report or whatever. You know, they had these ties where if you really held their feet to the fire, like they're, t- they're Tennessee fans. They are. I was. That was me. I mean, that was me at the end of the day. Um and they will do your bidding for you. <laughs> like yeah. realistically, they keep like they keep the fans engaged. Like you're saying, they can really do work on behalf uh, of of you as the coach. But also, if you turn into Butch Jones, where it becomes very contentious, they'll also rip you apart. Uh, and that's very obviously what happened to Butch. It didn't. The the unwinding happened super fast for Pruitt. Butch was a much longer, slow, painful death. And Pruitt was just like, over the course of a month, it was like, oh, this guy's a total nightmare and he's done for. But, you know, at still, as long as you're doing decently well, like the media will, <laughs> will work on your behalf. And I think I think they're learning that because, I mean, obviously we see it with how many people they're allowing to, to, to be interviewed. And I'm sure the media is loving that it gives them just countless 
uh, sources of information where they can write stories off of. But we also see it with players too. There's been several interviews. I, I believe like one that comes to mind was with uh, Caleb Tremblay. I believe it was him uh, where he was talking, you know, coming from USC, even USC, you know, Los Angeles, he still notices a difference in the amount of cameras that are, <laughs> that are yeah. around him, the amount of reporters that are, that are at practice. Like there, this place is different. And uh, I think they're, they're learning that. It absolutely is. It's on an entire other level. Kind of, kind of like I was saying with Hypel and, and the snake pit of the SEC, like the SEC, unless you are playing at Vandy is just an entire other animal. But uh, let's also go. I know you are a giant recruiting head, Jake. Uh, mm-hmm. And I can say without a doubt, you know more about Tennessee recruiting than I do. <laughs> um, but so Walter Nolan, dude, this whole thing today, we were texted about it earlier. He says, I will be committing when I reach 11,000 followers on Instagram. My And then followed that up and said, my recruitment is wide open for those who don't know. But also... He he moved recently to Knoxville, is going to Powell High School in Knoxville. There was all these predictions that he would choose Tennessee. And so what, as somebody who follows so closely, what are your thoughts on that? So a year ago, I would have rolled my eyes. I would have been like, man, this is, this feels like, I don't, many of your listeners may remember Zach Evans, uh, you know, running back from a few cycles ago that we were in on who was just in it for the attention. Um, and again, a year ago, I would have rolled my eyes and, and to a, a degree I did when I saw this information, but we're in a new era, man. We're in an NIL era where even high school recruits, we see it with Quinn Ewers uh, going to Ohio state and bypassing his senior year. These kids from an early, early age are in it for the money and right, right or wrong uh, as a Tennessee fan, I don't care. I don't, I don't care. I, I, I want him at UT any way possible. And it, it, he, can, he can do what he wants to. He can get his Instagram followers up, whatever. Just pick UT. <laughs> like, just, just, just go to Tennessee, and we'll let Coach G take care of you and, and whip you into shape and kind of get all that other outside distractions out of your head. But as a Tennessee fan, like, yeah, it's kind of – it's a bit of an eye roll when you see like, Oh, he's just trying to get his followers up. Oh, you know, who knows who, if this top three will stay like this, I, I highly doubt it. I'm sure it's going to change a lot, but like inside of me, I'm just like, whatever. I just, just do what you got to do to come to Tennessee. I'm <laughs> so I think, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I, which I do think he ultimately will. I mean, there's no way, you let a guy who moved to Knoxville, um, especially again in this NIL era where he will make more money coming to Tennessee than he will going to A&M or Georgia just by the, the amount of attention and the amount of sponsorships and people who will be invested in him and want his brand to be associated with their brand. And I think that if that is being made well aware him and uh i think he's gonna wind up here i i said this just in the intro i i'm glad we are very much on this, the same page here but i said this in that intro like tennessee for one is not in any kind of position to go oh this is a red flag and we need to turn away one of the right. top players in all of america that's insane and then beyond that yeah this this nil era get this kid in and if the coaches are good 
that doesn't make a difference. I'm certain that Nick Saban gets kids who are super full of themselves and they want all the clout, but it's Nick Saban and he breaks them down and he makes them great players at the end of the day. That's on the coach. Get the kid in to Tennessee who has the talent and then we can figure it out <laughs> from there. But I, it's actually kind of funny the way that you framed that. I, we, we are definitely on the same page and I, uh, I, I was doing, it was my birthday this past weekend and my wife, and I were doing a, a tour at a distillery in Kentucky, a whiskey distillery in Kentucky. And on the tour, there was this LSU fan, LSU fans. It was a couple. And I was talking to them just because we were bonding over being SEC fans. And in Kentucky, they're not really football fans, let's be honest. Um, but uh, we, she was saying, like, I don't like it because it's uh, with these NIL rules because it's just the kids, all they want is just me, 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 and everything. And I said, no, 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 no. You have to think about it like this. This is college football finally becoming the pro league that it's always been. It's always been this. Like, and they just didn't say it. You, the only reason that you think that it's, that it's this, oh, it has to be amateurs and it's college and all they should really want is a degree at the end of the day. No, this is, it's a feeder league. To the NFL, it's this. It's equivalent to the G League with the NBA. Like it's just a development league, and this is finally college sports being honest with itself. And if a kid comes in and all they're worried about is money, fine. fine. I don't care. Like you, yeah. the the people who have pride in Tennessee always will be the fans. We we all know that. And if a kid comes in and all he wants is is the money but in exchange he'll go out and win a national championship for you fine like that's an exchange that i'm happy to make like that's give me a johnny manzel who's incredibly full of himself and i will gladly win a sugar bowl like i do not care i do not care because this is it is i mean it's just the the college the ncaa just becoming the the pro league that it's always been the only thing that concerns me with it in, in this particular scenario, situation with Walter Nolan, is it it's a, it's different in regards to Tennessee and Alabama. So Alabama, it, if Walter Nolan were to go to Alabama, he would have NIL deals. He would get paid, but so are 50 other guys. Whereas if he comes, if he comes here, he's probably going to be one of the few handful of of players that are that's making real money and that that's the only thing that's kind of that i hope gets worked out in regards to we we have to get to a level where we don't have one two or just three guys on the team that's making a bunch of nil money we need to get to a point where it's not a distraction because the majority of the team is like really good and the players are are really really high level NFL players and they're all making NIL deals that are pretty large sums of money when it's only one guy that could be distracting because the other guys are like why isn't that me why can't I get a piece of that pie but if the more the more quality players you bring into your program and the more of that wealth that's spread I think it becomes less of a distraction yeah I I agree I think in without getting too much into the weeds of that further give it yeah. time that's just what i've been saying like give it time and i think at the end of the day 
football, college football specifically, will be better off for it because it's just there's so much money running through it anyway. Like let the let the money go to the players. <laughs> just yeah, I think it's only it's only a good thing for the players. And yeah, we're kind of scared because it's an un, it's a new unknown that we're not used to. But like you said, it's been happening. It's just all above board now. Yeah, and good as it should be. Uh, but beyond that. Uh, also mentioned this in the intro, and this can kind of be, I know you you got to run, so we'll try to wrap it up here. But uh, Josh Heupel coming in, that's exciting. That's nice. And we'll, uh, we'll totally end with your prediction for the season. We'll end with that. But before that, Josh Heupel coming in, that's nice and fun. But Tennessee announced today the really important stuff. There's a fan experience upgrade coming to Neyland Stadium. And Jake, you are a fan who will be sitting in the stands uh, this season, it's going to be LED lights. It's going to be at uh, at every entrance into the inner bowl of the stadium. They put a uh, give give my all for Tennessee today sign that you can slap. Uh, they said the fireworks show will be bigger. Uh, how excited are you about this? So, Danny White has started off a little bit on shaky ground. Um, I think we're all aware of that. He kind of said some comments to the fans that were a little off-putting but me personally I think he's been hitting all of the right moves here recently I think he kind of learned his lesson he realized what kind of environment he is in now and what kind of fishbowl he is in and this again what kind of attention and passion that our fans have that you've kind of seen him take a step back from being vocal and tweeting all the time to he's actually doing stuff he's actually making moves he's making decisions and between the fan experience uh this new johnny you know the johnny majors classic that that he initiated and brought on which is just a obvious but still much needed move um and these new statues that they're putting up which again i i think has been long overdue to recognize these players and the their the racial equity that they brought not only on the field but off the field and pioneering those those positions and um I am all for this man and particularly when reading the the release for this new tradition um that this every, above every concourse going into the field is going to be this I'll give my all sign that we as fans can slap going in to the stadium going into uh, you know, to our seats. I, you're, you know, this, we're, we're really close friends. I just had my first child uh, a month ago, baby boy. And I'm just envisioning like putting him on my shoulders and having him slap that sign. And like, I think this is a new tradition that will be long lasting. Um, I think, I think in five years, we'll look back and be like, man, what was it like before we were slapping these signs? Like, uh, and, and I think it's because, you know, it, it could come across as gimmicky to a degree. Like I could see this coming about during Butch Jones's time, but because it didn't come from a coach and it came from higher, you know, higher than that, higher level, um, and it's administration deal, I think that, and also it's blending in our history and our tradition. I think it's really, really cool, man. I think it's going to be a great experience. And, and again, all, all the things that I mentioned that have been, added almost feel like they're just obvious things that should have been done 10 years ago. 
But we finally have an administration, it seems like, that not only can see the obvious choice, but actually does it. And we haven't had that for a while. Yeah, I, I agree. I certainly, you know, I see this initially and I go, oh boy, that's corny. <laughs> you know, some stuff like that. But then, yeah, you really think about it, especially through like your lens where you're saying like, that is so, it would be so cool to be able to go with your kid and bond over that and some things like that, that it, in the long run, I think the, these are meaningful things. The light show, just that's going to be cool. I, I've been to yeah. uh, a couple of the stadiums now that have that, and it is really cool. Um, and I'm glad Tennessee is finally kind of catching up with that whole trend and some things like that. Like, it was it was needed. Like, Neilan, yeah, I want to go, okay, let's just win some football games and stop worrying about all this other nonsense. But then I also go... You, you have fractured your your relationship with the fans so badly right now that you need to be doing anything to be able to to repair that relationship. And I think honestly, Danny White more than anybody on earth, he needs to be kissing the feet of Tony Vitello. Um, yeah, because he was a full on distraction from from the off season and and the nightmare of Tennessee football. And really turned, I think, gave a much more positive feeling to the fan base where the fans sort of went, good things can happen to Tennessee sports. (laughs) Wow. Maybe it's not all just doom and gloom. Uh, But yeah, I I like this. It it is. Go ahead. There's a lot of things, too. I'm glad you brought it by Tello because I think that. Danny learned some things during that time, uh, during that crazy run with the baseball team that we can see him carrying over to the football season. And what I mean by that is, you know, there was a, there was a bit of fan angst during that playoff run in regards to getting in the stadium. Obviously, Lindsey Nelson's only a 5,000-seat stadium, um, and so it, it's – tickets were very scarce everybody wanted to go but the tickets were scarce and the people that were going were the high level donors and that that could fork out the, the money to get there and yes that stinks as the common fan but what that started was you got people in that stadium who have deep deep pockets and they're the ones that are experiencing the the magic of being in that stadium and seeing a like a crazy playoff level atmosphere. And they're going to be the ones that are going to want to come back and put in the money into the program to make it bigger and better. And I think that's what he's trying to do here with the football team. I mean, these things that he's doing are things that are trying to put butts in seats. It's trying to get fans into the stadium in a time where the football on the field is not putting butts and seats fans are not coming to watch football um i mean they're they're not initially right now they're not coming to see a good product hopefully that's what ends up happening but in this very first game of the season when we have no idea what hypo is going to bring you got to be creative and i think i think he's doing a really good job of creating experiences that are going to want the fans to come back yeah the those are all Really, really good points that I I have been hard on Danny White, probably harder than I should be just because he is in such a crap situation realistically 
uh, just trying to rebuild this total mess. But you are are definitely right. Like he's just making decisions that are trying to get people in, even even with something like this whole mask policy or whatever vaccination policy or whatever that LSU was doing. Like, like is Tennessee in this situation? You know, you can think about it, whatever you want, but are they in a position to even say to fans like, you have to do extra stuff to come into the stadium? <laughs> like. Right. I don't know if that's a good idea. Even, you know, obviously you can make the the public health argument or whatever, and I'll let some other political podcast argue that. But even even stuff like that, like I, I could certainly see behind the scenes Danny White going like, uh, what if we don't do that? So then people aren't hindered in coming to the stadium because we need to sell as many tickets as possible because, you know, season tickets just nosedived all the way through Pruitt, especially over this, this offseason. And so... They, I, I, I like, even with as cynical as I am, I, I have liked a lot of what Danny White has done. He's a little bit of a, little bit of a salesman, and I'm not huge uh, on on that whole kind of aura that he brings with him in interviews and things like that. But beyond that, it is very clear that he is a competent administrator, and that's good. Like I do not feel like I will look back on his time at Tennessee and just be like, what an absolute total clown show he had no idea what he was doing no he definitely has he has a good idea of what he's doing i kind of feel similarly to hypel at a baseline it's he's doing things that like pruitt never did because he's been a head coach like he knows what it means to be a head coach like danny white knows what it means to be an, an administrator and you know fulmer didn't he just didn't you can't just have by osmosis that information in your head without doing it danny white has kind of been there done that and and that's Good. And so hopefully he keeps that trajectory. I'm sure that he's kind of looking at Josh Heupel being like, please, please do do something. Help me out here. Throw me a bone. Um, and on that note, well, well yeah, go, was, go ahead. I'm just Make, follow yeah, yeah. it up real quick. What's exciting, I think, too, is with Danny White as our AD and, and Heupel as our coach, you can realistically – um, and there might be some counter argument to it, I'm, I'm sure, but I think you can realistically say that this is the best AD and the best head coach that we've had in over a decade. And I, I think people kind of forget that Heupel, on paper, his resume is the best head coach we've hired since Johnny Majors. Yeah. I mean, that's including Fulmer. Fulmer did not have the resume Heupel has. Uh, Butch doesn't ha- didn't have the resume Heupel has. But do all those guys, and so it's kind of ironic that we're that we are so you know slow to get on this train when this is the best AD coaching combo we've had in years. And I just I do obviously we need to see results on the field, and that needs to be priority one. But uh, I have I have a the most hope I've had in a while that, that we're going to have finally a good sense of stability. And and even at the AD level, because I was, I was initially kind of worried that, that Danny White was going to be this uh, guy that's, that, that could potentially bolt really quickly. Like we might be a stepping stone to another more prestigious academic school, but I don't know if this has been, if y'all talked about this much and we, we don't have to go into it too deep, but I think that, it it might help that you're bringing in Texas and Oklahoma into this conference 
every school is going to be making so much more money. Everybody, every other school wants to be in the SEC. And now, you know, you're an AD over a school that is in the conference that everybody else wants to be in. And so maybe that, maybe he's, you know, slower now to, to possibly leave. That's on down the road, but I just, uh, I, I, that did come to mind whenever that whole news came out. I was like, you know, we, we have a spot at the table of the table that everybody else wants to be at. Yeah. I'm definitely with you and of the opinion of like, you should say like rising tides lift all ships or however you want to put that, like having, having the single most profitable institution in college football, Texas come, not, not just come into your conference, beg you to come into your conference. I, to people who think that that might be a bad thing. And I think by the time that happens, almost everybody will come around on that. Like to think that ultimately that's a bad thing. I mean, I just, I don't know how you could really, you could be annoyed and be like, oh boy, of course they want in. Now you want in. Oh, now, you know, I certainly have that same attitude. Like, oh yeah. After Bob Stoops went out and bashed the SEC for all those years. Oh, now you want in. Oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also in analyzing that situation, of course it'll be great that two of the best programs in all of college football want to come in and be a part of your conference. Like Texas A&M can shut their mouth and and just deal with it. Like, yeah, I mean, as, as far as the competition goes, I, for one, am not worried about it being any harder to get back to where we want to be with Texas and Oklahoma. No. Because listen, Butch freaking Jones was this close away from having this thing right. Like he, he was within an, arm's distance away from having Tennessee back to like national contention. And if Butch Jones can do that, so can this guy. Dude, you must have been listening to the podcast. That is always what I go back to. Butch, the the moron, the absolute stupendous idiot that Butch Jones was, was a win over Vandy away from playing in a sugar bowl. He was two minutes from beating Alabama. And if you, if you would have won that Alabama game and beat Florida in 2015, you would have been in the playoff probably like that's how close Butch was. And you're like people who come, I just see all the time. The the real cynics and like a lot of the national guys, well, Tennessee just lost in the wilderness forever. No, Tennessee is still like still right there. They have so many resources, especially with this NIL stuff. So many massive boosters, so many people that went to this school that now own huge companies that have huge amounts of money and that donate huge amounts of money to the school. Like every everything about this place is is in that elite echelon except for the the football program. I mean, right now baseball going well. Basketball if Rick could make it happen in the tournament is in a good place too. Uh, you know, like things are not just in the complete dumper. Uh, when you look at the, you look at the forest instead of the trees and it's just, if you could get football freaking back and better, it's all there for Tennessee. And hopefully maybe Heibel can finally be that guy. We'll see obviously, but I just hope he has one game this year. And, and again, all, all it takes is one game for the fan base to be on fire 
for football again. And and I'll ask you this: When is the last time in the past ten years that we've had a game where we beat somebody that we weren't supposed to? In in ten years, when is the last time we had a game where we had an upset and we were just going nuts? Uh, I don't think we went nuts afterwards because the rest of the season was such a downer. But in Pruitt's first year, he beat Auburn. And I was like, what? What? You know, they went. It was that midday game. They went to Auburn and beat Gus Malzahn somehow. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that really, really. Uh, yeah. I mean, you was, were, that- even when we beat Florida, we were ranked higher. We were supposed to beat Florida. Like, right. That's. But it, it, and and even and you know, I, I I count that game. I just just a game where we won a big game that was that was of meaning, and so yeah, that Auburn game and the Florida game really the only two. I, I don't think you could count you know the Georgia Tech game or no. the Indiana Bowl game. Like it, it's really been two or three games in ten years where a Tennessee fan can be proud of of their team and i just want one game this year and i don't know i don't know if he's going to find it i don't know which game it is unfortunately there's not too many opportunities at home this year for there to be like a big sec or meaningful home win uh pitt's going to be a noon game so if you win that one like that's great but i don't know if you're going to have that feeling you know i think the closest one could be ole miss at home if he somehow pulls that off but I just want one experience, one game this year where I could be like, let's freaking go. Like, we, we got a guy that knows what he's doing, and we can we can pull, we can can pull roll with him. It would be so nice. Because even just, <laughs> I think back just a couple months ago, when Vitello beat LSU in the Super Regional to make it to the College World Series. Like, it just went into that being like... <sighs> let's see how this goes. You know, we always get into this spot and blow it. And ostensibly that's what they ended up doing in the college world series itself. But, mm-hmm. but like that second game against LSU, they just kicked their butt all over that baseball field. And that feeling like, yeah, what you're saying, when was the last time we had a feeling like that where Tennessee got into that spot where it was like, this is crunch time. You make it to the big stage right here, right now. Now's the time to win this huge game. Like, it, when was the last time? Oklahoma. We almost did it with the Oklahoma game. That would have been it. Yeah. Heartbreaker. You know, we, we're we so due to have a game like that in football. We Like you said, we've had it in baseball. Basketball, we, we've had it with recently with Kentucky and, uh, you know, we, we've beaten them in, in huge games. We are so overdue for a game – at in football where we can just go go bonkers and be happy that we finally beat and won a game of of importance and man i hope it happens this year and i i think this offense when it's clicking has the potential to like you say just boat race some people i hope so and and i because just to get back to that because even (laughs) looking back on the full history of everything i mean the last like truly great game like that i mean what oh one florida maybe and then you ended up losing in the sec championship game 
but where it was just like everything is on the line and you actually come through in football speaking in football yeah you said basketball baseball's done it in the last few years but like that to feel that again <laughs> would really be be something it's, it's hypothetical but i mean i'm just looking i'm looking to the future and just imagine a scenario where we're three and oh we're going into the swamp and we freaking beat the five 20 plus points something that's never i mean something that's never happened before where one you win in the swamp that doesn't happen and two you like really crush them i mean that would put hypo on a path that we've not seen an a, a ut coach have before and i i know that that is like pie in the sky but again I think after this Bowling Green game, we're going to be, a lot of us are going to be the optimists. <laughs> I I really hope so, because something like that, just a, an out-of-the-blue season, you know, like, like I think back to like Rick's third year, and I remember specifically the moment because we, <laughs> we experienced this together. Uh, we went to a Buffalo Wing place, and we watched Tennessee play uh, Kentucky. And we were sitting at a table next to Kentucky fans, and it was in Rupp Arena. Like, we hadn't beat Kentucky in Rupp since whatever it was, 2007 or something. We were just like, let's go watch the game, and we'll see what happens. And Tennessee wins, and you just had that feeling of, like, this is different. Like, (laughs) this is going somewhere. And I I can't even – I'm getting too hyped up because it is. Let's really (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> go this is tennessee let's not get too hyped up about this <laughs> i know i know but again i i've already been so i i've seen so much more with hypo already just in the short amount of time the six seven months he's been on the job than i've seen in three years with pruitt and i know pruitt that's not much to, to go on but hypo brought in a quarterback he saw his quarterbacks in his room and he said uh-uh i'm not I'm not doing this. I'm not rolling with this. I'm here to win. I need a guy that can give me the chance to win. And he went and got a quarterback that he thinks can give him a chance to win. And not only did he get a quarterback, he got a dude. I yeah. mean, he got he got into all intents and purposes. Like, I hope this. I hope he works out because he he looks like a guy that I would create in NCAA football, the video game. I mean, he looks insane. And and if, if he works out, you have him for three years. And hey, man, I. Sky's the limit, but I get, I know we're Tennessee fans. We like to be all we like to think of the best case scenarios, and I'm, I'm sure it'll be somewhere in the middle. But I mean, when's the last we haven't had a quarterback that looks like Joe Milton, and I mean ever. So I I'm really excited to see what what he can do with him. He is literally the exact same size as Cam Newton. Not to get anybody <laughs> hyped up, but I'm I'm saying like literally the exact same height and the exact same weight. But we gotta you gotta go prediction for the season. Well, first score prediction for for the Bowling Green game, and then for the season. What uh, what record do you think Hypo will have? So Bowling Green game, I I I think that. Bowling Green, I mean, we all, I think we all know Bowling Green is just awful. They're one of the worst teams. And it would be very, very disappointing to see us, um, you know, take like a, an early deficit in that game or something like that. That's the opposite of what we want. I think, I think when Milton and quarterback and the running, but we have a really good stable running backs, I think they will not be able to stop us. I think it's going to be 
I'm going to say final of that game is 62 to 22. I think we win by 40. I think we cover the spread. Um, as far as the the rest of the season, I I do think that you know everybody's kind of pick putting us in the five and seven, six and six range. Our our conference schedule is the easiest it's been in a very long time, and I think that we lose to a team that we're not supposed to, and we beat a team that we're not supposed to. And I think the team that we beat that we're not supposed to is at Missouri. I think that I think we pull that one off. I think I have us going seven and five. Um, I think we mm. exceed, and I think it's really just because of the schedule. If it, you know, if we swapped out, you know, um, you know, Ole Miss for an A and M or uh, an LSU, like I might feel a little bit differently. But you know, I, I think we I think we get South Carolina at home and. I mean, we're going to beat Kentucky on the road. We we don't lose to Kentucky. I don't care how good they are. We just don't lose to Kentucky. So, I think we go seven and five, man. I think we get a good start to the Heifel era, and uh, Joe Milton is, is the dude, and we roll with him. Man, from your mouth to God's ears, let it. Let's speak it into existence. Speak it into existence. Well, Jake, seriously, you stepped up in a pinch. You. You were the guy today, uh, and you, you came through for me. This was awesome, dude. Thank you so much. And uh, hope may, maybe we'll we'll take your prediction, uh, and I'll add it to uh, when we decompress at the end of the season. And and if it's really bad, we'll make fun of it. And if it's really good, <laughs> and you were right, we'll commend you. So, uh, but- sounds good, man. Dude, thank you for having me on. I you know I'll talk. I'll talk Tennessee sports with you anytime and it's a, it's a blast. And yeah, anytime you want to have me on, I'm here. Absolutely. Thanks dude.